How big of an impression did Rem Pitlick make in his wild debut? Is the wild penalty kill really a problem? We find out today on Locked on Wilds. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, we are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, we break down the Wild's 3-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks to improve to 5-1 and one on the season. We look at Rem Pitlick's debut with the Minnesota Wild. What did he do well? What can he add to this team going forward? We also look at the Wild's penalty kill. Is it really a problem or is it just too much penalties for the Wild and uh, leading to some bad numbers to start the season? We also look at another sensational game for the Wild's fourth line and what is to come here the rest of the week. My name is Seth Topal, host of Lockdown Wild, veteran Minnesota sports content producer with over 10 years of Minnesota sports coverage under my belt. Happy to be along for my first full season of coverage with Locked On Wild and uh, happy to be coming to you after yet another Minnesota Wild win to start off the season. Five and one now on the year uh, and uh, a three to two win over Vancouver. Um, a nice bounce back performance for this team after uh, their worst game of the year against the Nashville Predators. So let's dive right in, and let's start with just some of the surface stuff The uh, before we dive in and uh, peel back the layers of this onion. Uh, let's just look at the, uh, the surface things that we took away from uh, this game tonight. Um, on the surface, Minnesota Wild had a much better effort level in tonight's game. Uh, and so not sure if it was Dean Evason kind of getting after the team after their performance against Nashville or if they just kind of collectively could sense that they needed to pick up the uh, the pace, pick up the intensity, uh, whatever it was, it ended up working as the Wilds, you know, much better effort level from the get-go. They get an early goal. They hold a lead for the entirety of the game and, uh, you know, Start to finish, uh, with the exception of the last, um, and not not even necessarily the last couple of minutes, because it didn't seem like Vancouver was even really able to get anything going. Just a weird sequence from them at the end. Uh, didn't pull Thatcher Demko until there were like 30 seconds left in the game. Now, part of that was because the Wilds were able to hold some face-offs in the Vancouver side of the ice, but uh, just it just seemed like a weird game for the Canucks who played very much on the level that we did against the Nashville Predators. And so uh, it was nice to see us be on the other end of that type of game and not uh, living it once again um, after what we saw uh, against the Predators. So uh, a much better effort level for this team. The intensity was there. And the Wilds did a great job of battling for loose pucks. And uh, they got closer to that complete game that we've been looking for uh, so far this season. I would say the Wilds got, you know, over 80% of a complete game in this one. 
you know, they uh, they didn't give up um, any goals until they had already created a two nothing lead. Then the um, Canucks made it uh, two to one. Then we made it three to one, and then the Canucks made it three to two. So I would say probably you know eighty percent ish of a complete game here tonight. Um, but you know a lot of good things to pull from this game. Uh, some other negative things to uh, to pull as well. But um, you know if, if this team is going to continue to see players like Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala not necessarily show up on the uh, the stat sheet. Uh, it is nice to have a line in the fourth line that just continues to wheel and deal and just absolutely generate great chances and just continue to push the puck relentlessly when they come in the game. Uh, again, the combo of Nico Sturm, Nick Bugstad, and Brandon Duhame did absolutely everything right. Uh, Nico Sturm, I thought, had a phenomenal game here uh, tonight. He had uh, some very critical faceoff wins down the stretch, he uh, he should probably have come away with a goal, if not for a great save from Thatcher Demko. And um, Brandon Duhame getting an assist. Um, Nick Bugstad, again, he has shown a burst this year that he just flat out didn't have last year. And so in a couple of opportunities where he came up with the puck in the neutral zone, he's actually able to push the puck onto the Vancouver side of the ice. So that was great to see and continues to be great to see uh, for this team. And Dean Evason just going to continue to give those guys chances and uh, increase their minutes if they continue to be as uh, as valuable to this lineup uh, as they have been. I uh, just wanted to take a look at uh, some of the numbers, you know, in terms of the faceoff wins um, and things along that line. Uh, Nico Sturm, was uh, five of nine in the faceoff circle here tonight, uh, and so um, you know did a really really good job. I thought uh, just anchoring that fourth line. And uh, you look at the time on ice. I mean, Sturm had 13 minutes tonight. Bugstad had 10 minutes, and uh, Brandon Duhame had 10 minutes as well. So Sturm even getting uh, a lot more um, a lot more time. He played on the penalty kill. Uh, for quite a bit uh, in this game as well. So you know, those fourth-line guys, as they continue to just play winning brand of hockey, uh, they're going to continue to get minutes on the ice. And with the way that the top two lines are playing at this point, um, and, and not to say that the, you know, the second line of Foligno and Greenway and Hartman, not to say that they're playing particularly poorly, but... Um, you know, with Kirill Kaprizov and with Kevin Fiala not uh, really being there from a production standpoint, uh, I thought Fiala, you know, I thought he had a, uh, a pretty good game tonight. He, he definitely had some chances and uh, was aggressively working um, at various points on the penalty kill um, and, uh, and just on the ice as well. He did have the one play that led to Vancouver's second goal in which I don't know if he just didn't see that there was a Canucks player right next to him that beat him for the puck um, in which he basically had nobody else that should have been able to get that puck before him Um, or or if he just pulled up. It it certainly seemed like he probably pulled up. And so Dean Evason, I'm sure, will will let him know that that's something that he he can't do in that situation going forward. But um, outside of that, I thought Fiala did fine. But as we talked about um, in the post game, and as we'll talk about again here tonight, Kirill Kaprizov just uh, 
another very quiet night for him. And, you know, his stock just seems to kind of be trending downward at the, uh, the start of this season. Um, and so if not for the effort of the fourth line, and if not for uh, some of the other guys like Rem Pitlick doing some good things here tonight, who knows where this team would be um, and where tonight's game would have uh, wound up. Um, it probably would not have been a 3-2 win, but you know it may, it may still have been a wild win, but most likely would have, uh, have gone the other way. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a nice 3-2 win for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I did have a couple of things that I want to dive into here for uh, this episode, of course, Ram Pitlick being one of them and looking at some of the things that he brought to the table in his first game uh, in a Minnesota Wild uniform. And then we'll finish the show today talking about the penalty kill. I had a chance to watch the uh, the penalty kill here tonight, and I know the numbers coming into the game were not great. The Wild did give up a power play goal um, in this game as well. So uh, we'll dive into the penalty kill. We'll also talk about Ram Pitlick's Wild debut as we continue to unpack the Wild's 3-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks. More to come here on today's episode of Lockdown Wild. This fall, Built Bar wants you to celebrate freedom of choice. Did you know Built Bar has a wide assortment of amazing tasting flavors? They include coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. If you're looking for my personal favorite, gotta go with raspberry, but really no bad way to go. So if you're not sure which one to start with, just go mixed box. You'll get two each of those amazing flavors. Not only does Built Bar taste great, they are amazingly healthy as well. Each Built Bar contains 17 to 18 grams of protein, ranges in calories from 130 to 180, contains only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So amazing tasting, amazingly healthy. What's not to like about Built Bar? So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild. Again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. Just a reminder, we are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Continuing to break down the Wild's 3-2 win over Vancouver to improve to 5-1 and one on the season. Wanted to take a look at what Rem Pitlick brings to the table for this team, replacing Victor Rask in the lineup. And if you want the simplistic view as to what Pitlick brings to the table, look no further than the uh, fourth line. He is basically an extension of the fourth line for this wild team. He's a guy that plays hard. He helps push the puck up the ice. He brings some nice speed to the table, and uh, he is capable of um, of converting opportunities uh, for this team uh, into goals. And uh, nearly came away with a uh, a goal here tonight, uh, if not for some unreal goalie work by Thatcher Demko, uh, and nearly a tap in by Nico Sturm as well in that same play. But uh, did get credit for a an assist in tonight's game, um, and you know just was a guy who in the uh, the sparing minutes that he played didn't get a whole lot of play, uh, just nine minutes um, of time here tonight. But uh, was 
doing some good things and just was battling hard. I mean, it becomes so much easier to contribute other ways uh, to a hockey team if you're simply battling and giving good effort um, out on the ice. And Pitlick was when he was in the game. So that's by extension and uh, some of the other explosiveness and speed that he brings to the table uh, just seemed like a better fit for uh, the Fiala-Goudreau line. And with what Goudreau brings to the table with being a good center that can win face-offs and uh, having a propensity to come away with turnovers, uh, we did see Pitlick nearly score on a breakaway uh, coming back in after a penalty that he picked up. Uh, right off the penalty box and uh, right into the uh, the Vancouver side of the ice. But, uh, again, just hit the post. Some unlucky bounce, uh, unlucky puck luck for Pitlick. Try saying that five times fast. And so nearly came away with what would have been his first goal with the Minnesota Wild in his first game. But um, I think he brings a lot more to the table than uh, than Victor Rask does just by the extension of the types of players that they are. Pitlick, as I said, a guy that can push the ice. He's been a scorer at every level that he's played. So he is more of a natural fit uh, as a wing on that line with Kevin Fiala as opposed to Rask, who is a center playing out of position and isn't really known as a guy that, uh, that pushes the puck up the ice. He's, he is a guy that lets you know his line mates kind of uh, do things for him and, and is able to assist from there. But I just I think Pitlick is a much better fit for this team and what he's being asked to do on that line. So at this point, I think Pitlick plays again on Thursday. I think Pitlick plays again after that. I think he plays until we start to see signs of struggle. Uh, from him at uh, at this level with the Wild, then at that point you can make uh, kind of a an adjustment uh, to the lineup if you need to. But even by that point, if Pitlick strings together five or six great games, or even more than that, if you're going to make any lineup changes, then I think you've got to go up to the uh, the Hartman line, and I think Jordan Greenway then becomes the guy who uh, maybe has to sit on the bench for a couple of games because. I don't think you can pull anybody off the fourth line at this point. Even Nick Bugstad. I think Bugstad has been a great contributor to that line. Uh, with two speed guys, he brings kind of a, a you know, he, I, I don't, he brings the, and I don't, I'm not saying this in a negative way. He brings an anchor to what those two guys do. And in this case, it, it is something that is needed. You know, you've got, two really good speed guys uh, out on the ice. And so you need somebody that can kind of keep everything grounded. Um, and and Bukestad, you know, chips in just fine on that fourth line. So I don't think he can be a candidate to, uh, to be put on the bench uh, as a healthy scratch. And I don't think Pitlick should be at this point. I think you've got to give him some run and fully explore what, what he's capable of doing. So if anything at this point... Victor Rask and Jordan Greenway, I think, are the guys that are going to be cycling time um, on the ice. We we saw Greenway before the game getting a little bit of a pep talk from Dean Evason, and uh, Greenway did use his physicality here tonight, which was, was good to see, and he's going to need to do that going forward at the bare minimum uh, of what he brings to the table. Uh, it just would be nice to see 
an offensive element added to that as well. But, you know, at, at the least, we, uh, we were getting some of the physicality more consistently from, uh, from Greenway in the win. So that was good to see. But ultimately, I think the healthy scratch of the bunch has to be between Victor Rask and, uh, and Jordan Greenway. I just I don't think you do that to Pitlick right away, uh, especially after looking good in his first action with the team. And that fourth line is untouchable until some of the other lines start to show consistent performance. And uh, yeah, I just I don't I can't justify a way to break those guys up um, really for any reason at this point. So uh, great work by Pitlick, I thought in his debut, an extension of that fourth line. The, uh, the fourth, fourth liner uh, for this team. And, you know, that, that has meant every bit as a compliment because of, of what he was able to do uh, for the team here tonight. So tip of the cap to Rem Pitlick, and hopefully he's able to continue that performance and build off of this going into Thursday at Seattle. Uh, we will finish up today's episode by taking a look at the penalty kill. I know that's been a point of contention for the Minnesota Wild. But I think we might have uh, seen a little bit of a glimpse as to uh, what truly has made the penalty kill look bad statistically so far this year. That is coming up. Plenty more on today's episode of Locked on Wild. BetOnline.ag is back and they are better than ever. They offer a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, plus more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that welcome bonus. From basketball, football, baseball's World Series, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. And I wanted to dive into the penalty kill for the Minnesota Wild in this game, uh, not great at all uh, over the last couple of games against uh, Vancouver or against uh, Winnipeg and uh, against Nashville. And um, for the Wild tonight, they were two of three on the penalty kill here uh, as uh, Vancouver did get one power play goal um, in this game. Although it wasn't, it wasn't an egregious power play. I'll explain. Um, why it happened uh, here in just a second. But, um, you know, it's – I think what we're seeing is that uh, this penalty kill for the Minnesota Wild is suffering from uh, too much usage uh, here to, uh, to start off this season. So you look at one of the big things that has led to the Wild having such uneven performances – so far this season is the number of penalties that they've taken. And Bally Sports North had the uh, the great um, statistic on the broadcast um, this evening as uh, the Wilds, you know, were in the top ten last year in terms of uh, of penalty minutes per game or penalties taken per game. 
and they are 31st this year. So they're taking a ton more penalties, uh, and uh, as a result, that has led to the penalty kill, uh, at least at this point, being uh, 28th in the league at 69%. Um, Now, you look at uh, some of the other teams that are currently uh, above them, Um, St. Louis is at a 93% penalty kill uh, as of right now, so there's a little ways to go to hop back up into that level. But just looking at the penalty kill here in uh, in tonight's game. So the one in which the Wild gave up the uh, the power play goal, Alex Goligoski's stick exploded as soon as the penalty kill began. So Marcus Foligno, to uh, ensure that uh, that nobody had to try to get to the bench to uh, to grab a new stick, gave him his. And Felino played without a stick for basically the entirety of the penalty kill. He was still diving all over the place, trying to block shots and passes with his skates. Um, the Wilds forced Vancouver to pass and hold the puck, more importantly, for a huge majority of that uh, penalty kill. Um, the Wilds got it, in fact, all the way to five seconds left in the power play when Vancouver scored. And it was simply because they were able to get a couple of passes right in front of the net. If the Wild get even one clear on that penalty kill, they uh, they avoid giving up that goal entirely. Uh, if they're able to clear it even once, Vancouver does not score. And uh, who knows what the final outcome of the game looks like after that. So that penalty kill, you know is just a tip of the cap to Vancouver for making a great play at the end. Um, But, you know, as in that case, that one penalty kill that we point to here, uh, the Wild did just about everything right. If they get one clear, uh, uh, they're able to kill off that penalty without any problem. The next time the Wild went on the penalty kill, much better. They cleared multiple times. And they still were were engaged and active. They were blocking passing lanes and um, forcing Vancouver to you know work the perimeter, as opposed to being able to crash the net and uh, and get better high leverage shot attempts. So wild penalty kill I thought tonight looked good. Uh, it just came down to that one instance in which the wild just were you know five seconds away from uh, from killing the penalty. And not allowing the goal. And I think that is what is causing the numbers to look poor so far this year, is that they have have given up so many more power play opportunities early on in the season than they did last year. So the, the volume of penalty kill that they're having to go through per game, I mean, they've had a few games this year already in which they've taken six or eight penalties. And so... You know, you're putting strain on your team trying to defend against that for multiple instances during a game. So I think the biggest thing is the volume is high that they are giving up um, so far this season. And it comes down to sometimes the uh, the other team just makes a play and, uh, and ends up being able to beat you within the last five seconds of a penalty. So it's I, I don't think... It at this point is just truly bad because obviously the Wild have great players on that penalty kill that, that were doing really good things. It's just a matter of 
you know, not taking as many penalties. And let's just be perfectly honest here. A lot of these penalties that the Wild have taken so far this year, the hooking penalties, the holding penalties, are lazy penalties. They're, you got beat by a member of the opposing team, and you don't want to look bad, so you make matters worse by committing a penalty, and the team usually takes advantage of those opportunities on the other end. So if the Wilds can cut down on those dumb penalties that they've taken, uh, the one tonight that, uh, that led to the power play goal, uh, the Wilds committed the penalty on the other end of the ice. Uh, it was Nick Bugstad, that guy called for hooking, um, all the way down on the other end of the ice uh, from... Um, and it was it was nowhere nowhere near the play. So those kinds of things, you know, we've seen Kirill take a couple of those penalties so far this year that are just way away from the play. If the Wilds can eliminate those types of mistakes, then that penalty kill is going to face less opportunities per game, and it's going to look better uh, by extension. So it, there are a lot of different factors, I think, that are leading to the penalty looking bad. Uh, so far this year, but I think it's a culmination of things. And uh, if the Wild can just, you know, take less of the dumb penalties, everything else is going to work out um, after that. So all in all, it was a uh, a nice win for the Wild against Vancouver. It was nice to have a lead for once and hold it throughout the entirety of the game. No comeback necessary. Probably saved it for Seattle, let's be honest. But um, it, it was a nice win for the Wild, nice bounce back. Good to see them um, get off the map and uh, and come away with the win. But we're continuing to uh, to see some things that uh, that could lead to this team doing better if they can get them figured out. If we can get Kirill Kaprizov righted, uh, if we can get those line combinations finalized where they're all starting to produce at the same level that the fourth line is, all in all, this team is still a good hockey team. It's just a matter of making a couple of tweaks to uh, to what they're currently doing, and there's no reason that they can't continue to just clip away and uh, and be make themselves a force in the uh, the central division. So, a lot of great things. You know, one thing that we didn't really get to as much, but we'll uh, we'll maybe dive into um, before Thursday's game as well. Uh, a nice bounce back for Cam Talbot, who uh, looked like he did well after getting um, a start off in favor of Capo Kakinen. Um The second goal that he gave up, I don't think it was his fault. Uh, Kevin Fiala, to be quite honest, got beat on the uh, the back end of the play, trying to, uh, to go pick up a loose puck. And uh, the Canucks brought it all the way down the ice in very short order and, uh, and went top shelf to beat Talbot to make it 3-2 to two at that point. So, again, a hustle play at that point. If Fiala gets that puck, that goal probably never happens. So, yeah, you'd like to see the save made, but at the same time, if the guy uh, who previously handled the puck for the Wild makes the play, then that probably doesn't happen. So, all in all, a good win, as uh, as I've said multiple times, a good win here for the Wild, 5-1 and one now on the season. Some uh, Some improvement made for sure. But uh, again, we continue to get closer to that full game that we want to see here as soon as possible in 2021-2022. And uh, we got another chance to do that against the Seattle Kraken coming up on Thursday. 
That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Locked on Wild. So thank you for everybody tuning in to this episode and this recap of the Wilds 3-2 win. Um, now that you're done with your first listen of the day, make sure to head over to Locked on Blackhawks. Obviously, some big news coming out uh, throughout the NHL as to the investigation into Chicago's handling of a um, an incident back in 2010. And uh, so rather than me try to explain what is all going on, it's best that you just head over and listen to Locked on Blackhawks as uh, my guy Jack Bushman with uh, with some great insight into that whole situation. Um, so make sure that that is your second listen here today. Make sure to follow Locked on Wild wherever you listen to podcasts and all throughout social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, You can also follow us on YouTube for great daily content as well as these episodes. And all in all, it leads you with the most wild content you will find anywhere here in the state of hockey. So enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll have a brand new episode coming up for you tomorrow. And you can find new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.